0: This is Twat Teams One Street from the Evening Telegraph, the only podcast as obsessed with Dundee and Dundee United as you are. This week, Shivering D. McGee is starving for Saint Success. Can United joke the joyous jambos? And can Dick pull off his greatest red lichty's trick? Hello and welcome to the latest edition of Twat Teams One Street. I'm Tom Duffy, and podcasting along with me today are Graham Finnan, Hello, everyone. Alan Temple. Hello. And George Cran. Hello. Right, boys. The windows are open. The radiators are off. The taps are off. (laughs) And no food or drink shall be taken because we we are hungry and focused on this podcast. Nothing else matters. Explain, (laughs) George.
1: I don't know what you're talking about.
0: <laughs> <is>
1: it? <laughs> it's been an interesting week uh, at Dense Park. Uh, Mark McGee giving away his secrets of his very long career, actually, as a manager. I think if it works, then uh, we've got a bit of a magician on the hands, I think.
0: Yeah, just to explain that, I mean, looking at him, I certainly don't think he looks like a man who needs a diet. Oh, well, damn, he's, behave he's yourself. <laughs> <laughs> <He's> my stomach. <laughs> <laughs> he's... Um, He's been on a diet this week, and he's turned the heating off in his accommodation, uh, just so that when he feels cold and hungry, he's reminded that his focus is Mm -hmm. Dundee's huge game against St. Johnson at Den's on Saturday.
1: I I can understand his thinking. Kind of. (laughs) (laughs) Does does anybody want to
0: actually own up to that? (laughs) The
1: uh, psychology of it, I suppose, Uh, but it's it's a bit odd. I would say. I think Charlie Adam might have been right to tell him you're off your head, as as Mark McGee told us as well. Yes. Um,
0: oh, it should be pointed. Out. He he offered this up, so we're not making yeah. fun of Mark McGee. He's having offer himself as well.
1: No, it was uh, <laughs> it was a strange uh, interview. We were myself and and the other guys were discussing what we we're going to ask him because we'd covered a lot of it the week before, uh, and nobody came up with diet. And heat. <laughs> no. <laughs> Uh, and Mark McGee started off with, uh, with telling us I'm about to tell you something really silly which I think maybe should have been a clue for him that uh, he maybe shouldn't
2: have told did us he, did he not <laughs> say no. Jones, I'm about to tell you something silly but don't write it down whatever. No, he, guess, he, so he fuck, didn't fuck do that, that.
0: No. Uh, well actually Peter I have to say the f- I read it and I thought this is bonkers but in a quieter moment a couple of minutes later if you think about it boxers take themselves away into the hills or another country to prepare for a big fight. Now, technically, they could get up in the morning at home, kiss the wife and kids goodbye, and go to a gym that they know and train just as hard. But that's, it's accepted now. That's what boxers do for big fights. And people have routines for big fixtures in their sport. And it, is it just not another example uh, of that put in a bit of a whimsical way? Yeah. Or is he bonkers? Well,
2: <laughs> <laughs> when, when I read the quotes, I mean, it was, it was quite surprising that he said it on the record.
1: Aye, that's, yeah.
2: I think that was the thing. And he knew it, But listen, Mark McGee is a very intelligent man. And mm-hmm. you've spoken to him, George. You know, he's very good at press conferences. He knows exactly... What he is doing, and there is a psychological aspect to it. He is trying to give himself any sort of edge at all. They need to win football matches, and they haven't done that yet. So anything that he can do that might do something to stir his players into three points on Saturday, <laughs> yeah. he is trying. Now, this was a, a, a wee bit strange. I, I, I do have to admit. When I, when I read the quotes, I thought, yeah, you know, the only thing I could think of was I think it's a. Is it the Secretary of State for Defence that Ben Wallace, when he described Vladimir Putin as having gone tonto? And that's what I said to you, George, when I came into work <laughs> on uh, Monday. It was, you know, it was one of these similar sort of moments. But
0: if it can give up... point it, out comparisons yeah. with other dictators. <laughs> yeah. <on> the <laughs> yeah, there's no comparison <laughs> any other way, I have to say. Uh, <laughs> oh.
2: <laughs> but if it works on Saturday, then, yeah, I mean, and... Uh, as I've said before, anything you can do that's going to give them that wee bit of added incentive and get his players... That's what he's trying to Get his players yeah. totally mm-hmm. focused. And you have to be focused for this game because it is, it is going uh-huh. to be the defining one in Dundee season.
1: Uh, uh, he's trying to get in his players' minds that he's doing something. He's not just sitting at home with the fire on. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he's, uh, he's, he, I think that he's trying to get through the players. I'm not sure it's the best example that he's, put, he's picked. Um but it's so oh. also taken over, nobody's uh, really looking at the Dundee players because all the focus has been yeah. on Mark McGee and, the, and his heating plans and his diet from Gordon Strachan's wife, apparently, is, is giving them the, the diet plan. So if it works, then...
0: So what you're saying is Mourinho's next big game, you will be switching the heaters off. Which <laughs> maybe he does, maybe that's where Mark McGee got it in, uh, Rome's <laughs> yeah. not a big problem. <laughs> he
1: has picked a better time of the season to do it than... Midwinter.
0: Yeah, I was going to say, Alan, am I being cynical when I suggest that he maybe looked at the weather forecast and <laughs> decided to put the heat on? I was going to say, as the sun streams in through the windows
3: here, it's um, it's not a bad week for it. No, but I kind of agree with what Bear says. I mean, it's a you know, there's stranger things of have, have happened. There's there's superstitions. There's you know, silly things that managers have said and done. And to be honest, it doesn't strike me as you know, so much more silly than some of the other superstitions I've heard about football. I mean, it's is it really less, will it be less effective than Paul Lince being the last person to put yeah. his shirt on before he walks out the tunnel? I mean, but he it's was just, cold as well. Yeah, yeah <laughs> exactly. There's a real temperature thing going on here. <laughs> you know, so I think the worst, granted, the quotes are a bit silly and Mark McGee acknowledged that they're silly, but the worst thing anybody could do is take any of this too seriously. And Myself and George discussed this before we started to record, but the point he makes about taking some of the pressure off the players I think is a great one. You know, this is the defining game of Dundee's season. If they lose effectively, they're relegated. That pressure should be absolutely suffocating. The only thing that anybody in theory should be talking about this week is Dundee are going down. Mm. Dundee need to win or they are down. Pressure, pressure, pressure. Whereas the only thing anybody's talking about right now is Dundee's manager. And you could argue that that's really good management. Nobody's focusing on the teams, the team selection, how the players are performing right now. They're focusing on the manager, taking a wee bit of that heat off the players, allowing them to just focus on the game. And, you know, I could very well look incredibly silly come five o'clock on yeah, Saturday, but it could been, be inspired. I have, to,
0: I have to say, George Baird and I managed to go over seven minutes without actually mentioning the game, and you ruined it. But, <laughs> but absolutely. So you've fallen right into Mark you, McGee's trap. <laughs> so who's the real fool here? Because No, we know what's going to happen. That's why we don't <laughs> want to speak about the game. It's funny you mentioned, it's just, uh, just as you were speaking there about, you know, strange superstitions, uh, the, th- the two that always stuck with me Beryl, maybe you remember one of them you'll certainly remember the people involved I remember there was a bizarre story when Donald Mackay became manager of Dundee way back in 1980 I think it was he, he, his wife had arrived late for a game and for some reason the doors were shut so she spent the game out outside in the car 25, 25 games later, she was still out in the car because <laughs> <as> Dundee <laughs> went on a great and deep run. And, and he wouldn't let her come in for the games. Was until that I just before the they got divorced, time, <laughs> 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 was, aye, maybe, maybe. Uh,
3: tell I'm, me she was at least allowed to put the heating on.
0: <laughs> 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 I'm not sure. The, the other story, the, the late great Ron Scott used to tell a story that Jim McLean, again, Bear is a Dundonian. you remember, remember there was a steakhouse in Union Street. Mm-hmm. And Jim McLean used to go for a steak on a Thursday tea time. And he used to come out, drive up Union Street, turn left, go to the old roundabout at the Angus Hotel. And if they'd won the previous Saturday, because he lived in the ferry, he had the choice of going left or right to get back to the ferry. He went the same route. Of course, what did they go and do? They replaced it with traffic lights and (laughs) he had to go straight on. So that was his superstition. Doing the swanee, so to speak. But I suppose Alan's made us do it. George, we need to speak about the game. I guess so Winner bust for Dundee
1: Yeah it has to be I mean 5 points at the moment uh, if it stays 5 points with 4 games to go that's, that's a big ask uh, and then if, obviously if St Johnstone extend that uh, there will only be what 1 result away my maths last week was terrible I've probably done it again but
0: I think that's close yeah
1: near enough um, they would be
0: 8 points ahead with 4 games there could be 1 away
1: I yeah. think um so yeah, they just have to win it. They're still waiting on that first win as well under Mark McGee, which probably adds to all the 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 stuff that's been going on <laughs> the the uh social media uh responses to his story this week, which were very enjoyable if, if MD hasn't seen them uh, on Twitter. Um so they need that win. They've they've been playing quite well the last couple of games, got a couple of decent results showed a bit of fight, but they absolutely need three points. They do bear, don't they? I
0: mean, I suppose it's even three points is far from a guarantee mm-hmm. of uh, safety for Dundee, but it would give them a fighting chance. And interestingly, I mean, it's a it's almost a fortnight ago, but did the last games have a bearing on this one? Because Dundee battled back for a draw, and St. Johnston Kind of result you don't want at this time of the season losing so heavily at Celtic Park.
2: You'd like to think so, but given there's a fortnight in between, Tom, I think that's that's had an effect, to be perfectly honest. And the Derby seems to be a mile away now. and I would imagine it's similar for St Johnston. You know, the the game at Parkhead will be long forgotten about. You certainly think that uh, Callum Davidson will hope that. So, I don't think so. I, I don't think so. I think this is a real... Sort of one-off at a game that stands alone. I've seen the three games against St Johnston this season. I saw, I saw the first game up in Perth um, when when St Johnston won quite comfortably that day, three nothing. Dundee were particularly poor. And I think St Johnston went eight points ahead of Dundee at that point in time. So it, so it shows you that the gap is not insurmountable if Dundee can get a result. I saw the game at Dens when Dundee won one nil. Mm. I think it was Danny Mullen that got the goal and Dundee should have won more handsomely that night. They, they were on it. They'd already beaten Motherwell, I think, on the Saturday and they beat St Johnston in midweek. And for Dundee fans, you finally thought that, you know, they were going to start showing yeah. some form. And unfortunately, Dundee's good runs this season, that's all. It's amounted to two games and they've been they've been back with the defeat. And then the, the, the last game up at Perth was a real turgid affair. You could see the threat, the spectre of relegation was, was hmm. looming large over both clubs. The pitch was, was bad as well. The pitch was yeah. poor and... Uh, I'm hoping on Saturday that, you know, the game for us in the draw that night, I'm hoping on Saturday that Dens is in better shape than the, last, the, the last time I saw it. I think, you know, it doesn't do any favours. But this is a game that is, is going to boil down to who handles the pressure best, Tam. Um, there's no doubt about that. I mean, for Dundee, Dundee are in, in a position where they can't afford the draw. They need to get that win. They need to get that win. If I come out of Dens Park on Saturday... The, f- the fans were, were applauding them off the park at Tandish as though they they'd won mm. that game, but they didn't. It was only a draw. If they yeah. come out of Dance Park on Saturday, nobody will be applauding if it's only a draw. Time. They need the three points.
0: Mm. Yeah, and I mean, Alan, maybe I'm clutching at straws here because our focus is the Dundee teams, but um, I was speaking to a knowledgeable St Johnson fan uh, the other day, and he, and he made the point he wasn't too surprised by the Celtic Park result for Saints because the hover relied very heavily. On Callum Henry's scoring run recently. And he says actually the overall performances haven't been that good. Does that result at Parkhead plant that seeded out in the Saints? I think
3: it's uh, quite a jump to blame the lack of a striker for a. (laughs) <laughs> tanking, you take at Celtic Park. Um, there there were bigger issues. Um, at play in terms of the ease with which
0: his point was. There have the problems have still been there. Yeah. Oh extent. no. Uh,
3: abso- absolutely. Um. But I, you know, they could have had Messi up front and they would have still got beat. Maybe, maybe seven one. Um, on that occasion. But yeah. There. I mean, St Johnston's position in the league table illustrates that there's deficiencies. Um. But. Dundee's position in the league table illustrates that they've got bigger deficiencies. The league table doesn't lie, but you know, Dundee have had cause for optimism in the last few games. But Bears bang on in what he says. It's the time for applaud. It's for for um, playing some decent football and showing heart is is long gone now and. You know, a performance is also owed for the supporters. They've done absolutely everything they possibly can do this week to make sure Dens Park is absolutely jumping at the weekend, um, in, including, you know, some really, really laudable efforts in terms of making sure some fans that wouldn't be able to
0: afford tickets can get to the game. Pensionless like me, George. <laughs> no, as Alan says, me and Matt McGee called for a big support. Yeah. They're going to get a big support, and there's even been, you know, fans raffling off jerseys. To let other fans get tickets, yeah, and there's
1: been it's been really heartening actually the, the past couple of weeks. It, it's seen a lot of Dundee fans come together. Um, there's a lot of people offering up tickets if they can't go mm-hmm. uh, to other people to make sure there's there's punters in those seats. And uh, obviously the, the Georgie Nzazi Dark Blues went and on a, a big fundraising effort. It's incredible, really. I spoke to Reece Tyre, It runs. Uh, that sports club. And uh, the plan initially was to raise enough between themselves for 10 tickets. That wow. was that was all they were aiming for. And then ended up raising almost £4,000, 3875 which the club then matched. Well the current rate of
0: inflation, t- that's 11 tickets. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, it's in the hundreds. So free tickets to people who can't afford to go to, to, go to Dense Park at this time the way the world is and cost of living going through the roof. Everyone's cutting back. People are going to cut back going to the football. So the opportunity for extra people there, and they need all the help they can get, as we're talking about that game, from the stands. the Sports are certainly doing their part, as Alan says.
0: Bear, is, as we move to the end of this section, so quite swiftly, and a general point, did the club need to remember that because that's been a criticism of this regime for all the good they've done for Dundee financially? They haven't always recognised the supporters' efforts.
2: Well, I hope they do. I hope they do, and they'll, they'll see it on Saturday. That well, I mean, Dundee's average home gate. George will be able to tell us. You know, it's probably bouncing around about five or six thousand, but there is a, a there is a swell of support out there that when when the club is in need, and regardless of it, if it's actually tickets for a game or if it's financial support, there is a, a wider support out there that, that, that want the club to do well. And I think uh, I think that speaks for itself when you see how many tickets that have gone on Saturday. I only hope on Saturday there's obviously going to be a big crowd there. And I think that'll be that can be good for Dundee. That can <laughs> yeah, be good. Yeah. But it's up to the players to make sure that it is good and get on the front foot hmm. because anxiety spreads And if Dundee aren't doing so well, that'll spread to the Tersons as well and that rebounds onto the park and suddenly it has a negative effect. So Dundee have to make the most of the fact that they've got a full stadium there and get out there and get right at St Johnston from the off.
0: And George, finally having mentioned the owners, it's only fair to them to say they've kept the club financially stable and things as we've seen this week, people talking about past uh, owners and, <laughs> and directors, things can be a lot worse. Ron Dixon, G- Giovanni De Stefano,
1: definitely can be worse. Yeah, um, I think yeah. John nelm has got a bit of criticism from his last interview that maybe he shouldn't speak so much. Uh, people were uh, before were saying that he, that he has to communicate better, and then he says something, people were criticizing him for that. So. But it certainly could be worse. I mean, I, I figured you two would have better stories than me that about Ron Dixon or Giovanni Stefano from their time here. It's slightly before my time.
0: It seems, it seems like a long time before <laughs> your time. Yeah. We've been over this before. But I was thinking coming in this morning actually, Ron Dixon always used to call me Tammy. <laughs> It's to the point where Jim <laughs> Duffy, who was speaking about them uh, in articles this week, mm. I used to go into Jim Duffy's office. He used to go, "Tommy," <laughs> and I was like, "Oh, <laughs> thanks very much for that." And it,
1: the goalpost thing was interesting. It showed, obviously, it wasn't, how little he knew, wasn't that involved, in how that little one. he cared about uh, the football side of things. He uh, wanted the goalpost taken away because it was making the greyhound try look bad.
0: Oh so, yeah, so, oh, hmm. oh the greyhound, the greyhound—that's one of the great disasters. Uh, of, our, of our time I was there I was there in the very first race uh, and there was a group of us and I uh, said to a colleague I'm sure my horse is, and my horse that's how much <laughs> I'm sure I'm sure that's my dog in the where's, front where's the jockey going I, 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 and the guy looked at me and said it doesn't really matter because my dog's still in the traps so the race isn't going to count mm. and right enough oh, one mm. of the traps didn't open. <laughs> <laughs> so that was it. And I don't think they completed a race oh, really? uh, that first night. And also, there, there, uh, uh, were you ever there, Bear? Uh, I was, I think. Yeah, I was. So, uh, again, uh, it's a sport I know nothing about, but, but because you speak to people. And somebody somebody said to me before they ever ran a race, the track the around the pitch, the, the bends are too tight. Yeah. And a couple of times, dogs jumped off the track. Because they were going so fast, they couldn't take the bend, and they jumped. They jumped, really? o- <laughs> and they jumped over the 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 rail because they couldn't. They couldn't slow down. They had they had no option. It was it was a uh, fiasco is quite a good word. Uh, and I said Giovanni De Stefano got another mention. He's been on uh, Netflix it, recently. Yeah, I think was it would be on Fiasco. 90, it was so, it Sky. He was he was on recently. I, I remember that, uh, when they signed. Fabrizio Ravinelli I had to go down to a hotel in Dundee at nine o'clock in the morning to meet him and which was great of them and and he was he was great to meet and I ended up having a, a breakfast with Giovanni Fabrizio Ravinelli and another gentleman who strangely enough appeared in the documentary about him that was aired recently so we won't say too much about that <laughs> <laughs> all i say is I never knew at the time uh, and I thought Giovanni had bought me breakfast, but I don't think he ever actually paid the bill. <laughs> that, was, that later appeared in a doc, documents regarding the club's financial situation, and there was a very, very big bill for that hotel unpaid. So... Uh, some, it was a nice breakfast though I have to, well done at the hotel well, in question a was, free breakfast was, usually is uh, yeah. it was a, excellent and I mean I don't want to drag them into it because it wasn't their fault but if the Apex ever want to give me a free <laughs> breakfast I am available
3: you've literally had a free breakfast <laughs> off the
0: ah <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes I didn't, uh, I thought it was a free breakfast but I didn't know it was uh, they were paying for it but anyway after this we'll look up the table right Alan United, to turn to a happier subject, United are chasing Europe. But the fixtures could have been a wee bit kinder to them because Hearts, if they're going to have one eye on the Scottish Cup final, it's probably not going to be for another couple of games or so, eh?
3: You can't have everything on the fixture list. And I think if you'd offered Dundee United two consecutive home games to kick off their top six campaign... Um, Against Hearts uh, and then against Motherwell, I think they would have, you know, bite your hand off for that. That's a a pretty good place to be in. And uh, it's my understanding that Hearts players were given a bit of time off after their Hamden exploits. Um, I, I understand they weren't back Not in training. Not
0: as much time off as Sean Maloney got. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
3: <laughs> it's, uh, until uh, I don't think they're back in training until Thursday, which is you know today as as we speak. So, you know, the if Hearts would never, ever, ever admit it, and of course they're desperate to keep momentum up, but their biggest game of the season is now a few weeks away, and. Everything they do up until then will have an element of squad management about it and have an element of how do we try to not lose football matches but ultimately give ourselves the best chance of beating Rangers. Now, from a Dundee United perspective, that's not a bad position to be in whatsoever. Um, If they're ever going to take something off Hearts, then they've had a a few thrillers against them this season already, then now could be a a pretty good chance to, to do that. And also... You know you're discussing the the European chase there. That Hearts win was ideal for Dundee United in that regard as well. It means fifth place is now a European spot. As you revealed last week, I don't think you can reveal something that's uh, fairly well <laughs> documented. <laughs>
0: but you can't, is... a dullard like me that doesn't read <laughs> things properly.
3: Yeah. yeah. So it's um, but there's still a a real as well as the financial incentive to finish in fourth um, if they get in the. Uh, the third qualifying round for the Europa Conference League, then that's a August fourth start, um, as opposed to a July twenty first start. If they finish fifth and get in the uh, second qualifying round for the Europa Conference League, so there's all these elements, but fundamentally, um, the fact that fifth place is still a European place is really heartening for Dundee United, and it's now a, a straight kind of three way we shootout, and it should be a uh, it should be a, a pretty exciting finale to
0: the season, and. Well, Alan likes the fixtures, and I've tried to moan about them because moaning is my default position, George. The one thing you can't sort of argue with is the fixtures have been kind to United, in that the two teams immediately below them have got the old firm yeah. this weekend. So it's a chance for United, almost certainly, to open a wee gap.
1: Definitely, because you wouldn't really expect either of them to take anything out of those games. I think Muller will have been particularly bad against Rangers and Celtic this season. Uh, taken a, a couple of absolute Haydins um, and Ross County like to concede goals. So I'd, I wouldn't expect either of them to pick up anything, so it, it certainly would be a great time for United to add three points uh, and hope Hearts might, uh, might be a wee bit distracted, knowing they're guaranteed third as well as a, another thing that they might just have their foot off the pedal, although I, I've known how Robbie Nielsen works and his backroom staff, I don't think they'll suffer that very much, but um, sometimes that doesn't doesn't make any difference with, with, with footballers. We have seen that. So yeah, no, I'd be absolutely brilliant, They could go four points ahead of the, those pair t- to then play Mullerwell next week. I mean, that's a, that's a huge opportunity because yeah. that that would that would guarantee European football if they win the next two games.
0: It? Yes, aye, well, and, 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 and give them a stranglehold on fourth. Yeah, um, I mean. We know Robbie Nielsen from United, Alan. You'll you, you you'll know him, I assume, from your time in Edinburgh. He's carried on as a manager. Um, what he was like as a player, that, that he genuinely believes in the next game is all important. So uh, if there's any complacency or, or relaxing in the heart's ranks, it won't come from him, will it?
3: No. Um, it's, as I say, I know for a fact that they really are trying to prioritise um, momentum, but as George alludes to, footballers are just human beings, and that Scottish Cup final does loom really, really large. And also, hearts, you know, effectively they've done their job. I mean, they've reached a Scottish Cup final and they're going to finish third. So, again, will that play on, on the players' minds? And all it takes is five, 10% drop off to lose football matches. You know, it doesn't require players to consciously down tools, it just requires that little modicum of doubt before you go into a 50-50 because you don't want to get injured for the Scottish Cup final. All it takes is, you know, our, our other examples that are in that ballpark, it's it, all it requires is just that tiny, tiny drop of levels and you start to to potentially lose football matches. But yeah, that won't come from, from Robbie Nielsen. Robbie Nielsen set really high standards this season and I think he's proved... What a, what a good manager he is. I know there'll be absolutely, <laughs> rightly, there'll probably still be heart feelings among Dundee United fans about uh, the, the manner in which uh, Robbie Nielsen left. But um, in, in my view, I think he's a, he's a top, top manager. Hearts fans, um, a loud minority, I would call them. Didn't realise just how good he was um, in his first spell there. And now he's proven it in the second spell. A, a really good mix of... Um, uh, trying to play decent football when it you know when it suits, but also not being uh, pig-headed enough to not be willing to be pragmatic when you need to be. You know, he's a. I think he's proved that
0: he is one of this country's kind of top managers. Definitely, and bear I mean switching the focus back totally on United. Is it fair to say that the major difference between United and Hearts this season is probably that Hearts have played at or near their best more consistently. Considerably more consistency, but if United are at their best, yeah, they can. Oh yeah, they can beat pretty much anybody in this league. Uh
2: huh. Yeah, I, I think so. I think Hearts are the one team that seem to have the, the the bogey sign on United. Not a bogey sign, but United have had real problems getting results against them in recent times. And I'm not sure if it's a, it's a Robbie Nielsen thing, and he, he, he says Hearts because he's an excellent United manager. He doesn't want to lose to them, but to be in fairness. Hearts, are like that, and and as as Alan's, Alan's touched on the, the big question, and it's going to be one of Robbie's biggest tasks is how does he keep that intensity going between now and the Scottish Cup final from a Dundee United perspective perspective, of course, yeah, it is for me. It's a great opportunity because the, because their nearest rivals um, Motherwell and Ross County are, are facing the Old Firm to go and stretch that lead. And what what better a time to get three points than than this weekend? You know, for themselves and for the fans as well, but. United still have that age old problem, and, and we've we've seen it all season. For all their all their sort of good play, they rarely turn it into real attacking threats for ninety minutes. They have spells in games where we'll come up with the, you know the occasional sort of patches, of, you know, quality balls into the box, but not enough. They, they very rarely pin teams back for long long spells in games, which we have done. United are, you know, the Premier League is, isn't quite like that, but. United, you know, for all the the good work they do defensively, and in the middle of the part, they lack that that creativity, and and against a team like Hearts, who are are solid, you know, most of the time, that could mean that you could have maybe sixty percent possession, but Hearts could go up the other end and are well capable of of pinching a goal. So. The shackles should be off the United as well, though, Tam. Yeah, I think that the, 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 Tam Coates has, has done, done what he's set out to do. I think he's 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 got points in the bag now. Getting them into that top six, you know, his first season in charge. They're in, they're still in the, in that box seat for Europe. It would be ultimately be crushingly disappointing though if they don't get one of those European places when there are sort of they're, they're in, a, in a fight with with another two teams and two there, there's two places are going to get European slots. I mean, it's amazing to think that we're actually talking about now. We're not talking about getting the European spot. We're talking about getting the main European spot so you don't have to start in July. You've actually got to start in August, which is a massive advantage, yeah, let's be right. honest. You know, it stops you having to get the players back three weeks early as well. So, um, yeah, interesting opportunity for United. But, you know, I'm hoping to see a more a more attacking United side on Saturday than we've seen for a while.
0: Right. Well, two-part question here. First part to George, since you did the notes. <laughs> Uh, Tam Coates has admitted, and, and, and what's just been a successful season for United, he's admitted that they do lack creativity. Uh, so maybe, George, we're not surprised to learn, therefore, that Ryan Edwards, central defender, <laughs> on which successes, a lot of the success has been based, is the best air blocker <laughs> filter man. Now, George, to me, <laughs> I that, think that about... sounds like someone who makes sure there's no bubbles in your coffee. <laughs>
1: I was thinking more of a Hoover, to be honest. That just mean he's a
0: very good defender. And if you kick it high, you'll head it away.
1: I think they've just made these things up after that. It was Alan's story, so you may be better asking because I have no idea what they're talking <laughs> He's about.
3: <getting> <laughs> airblocker filter man just sounds like the worst superhero. <laughs> <I know. laughs> dun,
0: dun, 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 dun. Save me, save me. I'm airblocker filter man. Well, that's a disappointment.
1: I don't know. I'd well, yeah, uh...
0: to give Alan his chance, maybe slightly more surprising given United's lack of goals. Dylan Levitt, most effective playmaker creator which is maybe one word too many but at least we can understand both of them
3: absolutely not to be, and to be fair within the story i did make uh, reference to the fact that some of the terminology was uh, frankly ridiculous <laughs> <laughs>
1: uh, i really
3: i do think some of these studies could do more to make themselves readable to your uh, yeah. you know your your fan on the street it's, yeah. it's not all it does is create this sense of disparity between uh, how regular punters talk about football and how people that like to think of themselves as uh, great thinkers about football talk about football. I don't, I don't think it's particularly helpful. Oh, but
0: I mean, as someone who likes football and spy novels, I was delighted to find out <laughs> that Andy Robertson. <laughs> <laughs> Ex United now Liverpool is, is the best <laughs> playmaker infiltrator. Does he, does he wear a raincoat when he runs up the left? Does he? Dark glasses. But uh, you know, to, to
3: answer your, your question to to, to George fundamentally, <laughs> yeah, ear yeah. blocker fault, <laughs> which I can barely say with a straight face. Um, I mean, it just it's a combination of being good in the air. Making good, uh, making kind of consistent blocks, and also picking up loose balls, so that kind of measures your recovery speed in terms of uh, a centre half. So um, it's not purely aerial and it's not purely ground based stuff. There was other metrics for those, but in terms of a guy that you know is good at at both of those elements, Ryan Edwards was right up there. But I mean, again, this is all number stuff, but you can see that watching Dundee United Mm. he's an absolutely top defender, and isn't just about winning, you know, high balls. He, he does have a wee bit of acceleration. He does have good anticipations. I scored
0: from 35-40 yards against Hart. So he's, you know, he's he's quality.
3: And the, the Dylan Levitt one's interesting because that playmaker-creator element uh, factored in you know, not just creating chances, but also just the amount of passes made and the amount of forward passes made. So the fact that he's not getting an assist every two games uh, doesn't necessarily preclude him from from being high in that ranking what it means is perhaps more than any other player in the league everything that Dundee United do going forward is done via him as a pivot point so yeah. so it, you know it measures the fact that he plays so many passes he plays he's so important to to breaking through the lines and trying to play forward um, and I thought that was really interesting just in the fact that it underlines what I think a lot of Dundee Dundain fans think, which is Dylan Leavitt really, really makes them tick. And not only does he make them tick, he makes them tick probably more than any other single player does for any other club in Scottish football.
0: He's a very good player. It'd be nice to think they could maybe get him for a second season uh, on loan. Only time will tell. But even, even if they don't, there'll be signings in the summer. Uh, I'm looking down here and seeing Logan Chalmers has now scored... Five goals in five games, and he's loan at Inverness. The issue of creativity, adding more goals, is an issue. It's not a crisis for the United, though. It's it's something to work on. It's something should be the next step in their development.
3: Yeah, I mean, it's it's a nice problem to have in a way because see if you had a problem with the core of your team, the structure, the stability, you know, building from the back. If those were issues, those are fundamental issues. Those are issues that will lose you football matches. You would like to have a solid spine and then have to add some stardust to that. That's that's doable. That's a, um, something that even, yeah, someone like Logan Chalmers can, can add to. So I think as far as problems go, just having to um, add... A little bit of magic to a team that's already fourth in the league is a pretty nice problem to have, albeit I do feel like uh, in this in the spirit of not giving anyone false hope, Dylan Levitt's contract with Manchester United does expire this summer, so Dundee United would need to get their wallets out and pay hmm. for him permanently um, and I think there could could be Told a Told you I don't need things properly <laughs> <laughs> So there could be a queue for his services I feel but yeah, another, uh, whether it's Levitt or, or another player like him will, will be key and then just further up the pitch, you know, a little bit of magic on the flank a goal scorer, you know things that aren't easy to find, but are a lot easier to find than a spine of your team, um, which then the United have a really good one of.
0: And Bear, I'm just thinking here in general. When you're, uh, I, I'm labelling this a successful season for United, and I challenge anyone that says that's not the case. But you still want to finish a season, especially with five games to go. You want to finish a season well because these these things can uh, carry over good or bad, into the next season, can't they?
2: We've seen it. We've seen it in the past time where where teams go into the final five games, take their, take their eye off the ball and then that continues and it's not beyond the realms of possibility that you, you go from being a team challenger in the top six to being a team trying to avoid the drop. Mm. So yeah, absolutely. You've got to keep your finger on the pulse. You've got to, obviously, United have still got, you know, plenty to play for in there, European slots to, to play for and they've, they've got to go and... and Keep that momentum going in the final five games. It's vitally important. Now that doesn't mean to say that we might not see one or two players that have been maybe been on the periphery and haven't yeah. had a chance. But the manager's still got to do that with the knowledge that he has to win football matches. That that's that's ultimately the, the main incentive. Done. I
0: mean, in some ways, you see, like Bear says, the manager will give players a chance. Um, whereas if we take, go back to the example of Hearts, if Robbie Nielsen changes his team, media, fans, players are thinking, oh, you want to look at boys just in case you see something that could work in the cup final. And other guys in the team might then switch off five or 10% because they know that the manager's experimenting. But if you're coming in a team, if you like United, the goalie, if they change the goalie for one game, everybody knows this is what a view to what the defence is going to be next season.
3: Yeah, I think speaking more generally about the the of changes, I think there's also an element of there isn't a huge amount of depth in terms of you know the the amount of you know ability they have to change things because you look at the Dundee Darby just there they didn't make a single substitution. Um, there's a lot of young players on the bench. There's a lot of you know there's, there's a lack of uh, senior experience there. So even if you were looking to you know, give a few people a chance. It it would be it would be relatively risky, and Dundee United would need to be in a really really strong position. And we probably do need to emphasise that just at this moment in time, they aren't quite in that position yet. You know, they need to get another couple of wins under their belt, and before we can even start talking about changing players giving young players a chance or, uh, you know, changing a, a goalkeeper even for a game. Uh, Dundee United are not in the position that Hearts are in. Hearts have got third place thrown up in a Scottish Cup final. Dundee United have work to do and need to keep with their strongest team before we even start having the, the discussions about, you know, uh, whether or not we'll see Matthew Cudjo or, or whoever
0: it may be in the, in the run-in. Yeah, well, and, and Alan. This is definitely not a moan about fixtures, but the way the fixtures have worked out, <laughs> the fact that it's Hart's Motherwell, then the old firm, and then Ross County. There's every chance that those two old firm games together might prevent Tam Courts fiddling about as much as he likes. Yeah, absolutely. I would, or would
3: like to, though. I, I don't think either of those games against uh, you know uh, Glasgow sides who are probably will be still going for the title depending on whether rangers can hang on to celtic's quote tails until then i don't think either are the type of game that they're going to be throwing a, a whole host of, of young players into united's task just has to be to make sure those games aren't as poor as important as they may be um because you don't really want to be going into that double header desperately needing results to get that european place uh, you know, as we touched on earlier, United really need to be looking to get their work done in that home game against Hearts and then, the you know, the subsequent uh, visit of, of Motherwell.
0: And just to finish off, United on a, a nice story. I mean, it's emerged. The, the, the women's team's coach, Graham Hart, uh, has been speaking about his cancer diagnosis and thankfully a double whammy for him he got the all clear 2 days before the one promotion and that's very very good to hear
3: yeah it was it was lovely speaking to to graham he was very open and very candid um he you know he was diagnosed with uh, thyroid cancer in uh, in april of, of 2021 and despite that fact um he was appointed uh, the Dundee united uh, women's football club's head coach and uh, september of that year and whilst going through um his treatment and even at one point you know undergoing an operation to have a, a double thyroid um uh, removal he was still coaching the team still managing the team and through all that um he's three games away from leading them to an invincible season he's they've been promoted to the the top flight um it's a really exciting time for women's football in the sense that it's going to be a, a revamped top flight under the umbrella of the the SPFL from next season and Dundee United are, are going to be at, at that party. They'll be uh, the first team from Dundee ever to uh, play in the in the elite level of Scottish football, if you like. We we did have an Angus team up there but for, for Farmington uh, folded and, and kind of surrendered their place but it's a really exciting time for, for that club. Um, it's the first time, you know, obviously that Dundee United have ever had a team at that level so um, I know that they'll be desperate for you know, more support during the run-in and, you know, particularly looking ahead to next season. It's a top-flight side um, playing at that level and I think they're going to try whatever possible to make sure the games don't clash with the men's side. So it's, you know, an affordable, entertaining avenue for for supporters to go and support a a different arm and a a different aspect of, of Dundee United from next season.
0: Yeah, who knows? If the ladies do really well, One day they might get to play at Manchester City's training picks like the (laughs) international teams all do. Uh, Just for those who don't get it, that's a moan. That's not condoning you in any way. Oh, my goodness. And finally, I look to our championship for now, expert George Cran. (laughs) It won't be long. What a season you're having. I know. But what a Friday well, night this is going to be in the Championship, George.
1: Yeah, it's the first time I've actually had a chance to look at the top of the table all season. <laughs> so um, I think all, all eyes, the entire football supporting country, I think, will be on Rugby Park on Friday night. Except uh, yours? No, I'll be watching it. We're not playing till Saturday. <laughs> You'll still be crying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I'd, I have to say, I did, did think that was, that was as absolutely done uh, the weekend when our boths. Although we're one nil up. And for I how fell long? for a second. I don't know. <laughs> were you there, George? No, I wasn't. Oh. Um, I know. I felt guilty but I couldn't make it. Um and then when I saw the result I was quite glad
0: I couldn't make it. Yes. Um but they set our both up perfectly for Kilmarnock tomorrow. Yeah. I
1: thought I think they've got a real chance. Um looking at the two squads Kilmarnock should win. Because their squad is Impressive for the champions. And if they do win, they're, they're champions. Yeah, but they are yet to score against. our both yet this season in three matches? So if that continues, then we've got a title race that goes right
0: to the final day. And a and a far both win. No. What a chance it is for promotion. And and, and Beard is a, a, a is a veteran of the junior ranks who fought for a long time before he got his title. Um. I'm sure Dick Campbell's reminding these players that the downside of this season is that it'll always be remembered as a great season, but how long will it be remembered for if they don't get promoted?
2: Yeah, I mean, they can go there in history of it if they win this league term. You know, it's, it's as simple as that. And for me, all the pressure is on Kilmarnock, all the pressure is on uh, Derek McInnes. And that's the way Dick, Dick wants it and yeah. he's loving it. He's, he's lapping it up. Fair play to Derrick McKinnis, right after last week's game against the loss to uh, Inverness Cali, he basically brushed that defeat aside straight away and said, look, we knew that we were always going to have to beat Arbroath to win the championship. So that's what it is now. But there is no doubt that everybody expects Kilmarnock to win. Everybody expects Kilmarnock to be back in the Premier League next season. We've had the heartbreak last season, not heartbreak for us at this <laughs> no, no. Uh, around this table. Obviously, yeah. Dundee going down there, but the privilege of losing, I'm sure Dundee. that many Kilmarnock fans will have that in the back of their minds, yeah. and, and any of the players that are still involved will have that in the back of their minds. And our th- i have shown they're well capable of winning at, at Rugby Park, yeah. you know. So, I expect it to be a cracking game. I don't know what the, the viewing figures have been on the, the BBC Scotland channel this season, but I'm sure that. Friday nights will be right up there because I'll I'll certainly be watching it while I'm working, of course, at the same time. (laughs) I would like to point that out. (laughs) Um, But it's it's set up and, you know what, what an achievement it would be. And I think uh, it's hard to sort of, you know, fathom, you know, just put a scale on where where it comes. Dick said it would be probably his greatest achievement and and obviously he's won titles with Dunfermline that as well. But I think it has to be. I think he mentioned Leicester City. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, but, as Derek McInnes points out, this Arbroath team, you know, have been producing great things now for three or four seasons. Yeah. I remember, the, 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 the you know, the amount of wave victories that they mm. kept clocking up time after time after time mm-hmm. and they've built a steeliness to them. And it's, I think it's going to go right to the wire, Tom. You know, I, I could see it. I could see it being, maybe, I'm not sure if, if, if Arbroath will win, but, I'm not sure if Comhanic will win either, so it could go to the to the last yeah. the last weekend. And um, although how desperate that can be, Dundee haven't been involved in them in the past as well, you know. So um, yeah, yeah, it's great for the championship. And fingers crossed, Arbroath can do it. I mean, what a story that would be.
0: Yeah, uh, Arbroath seem to rise to the challenge, and they seem to get plenty of challenges because you couldn't. And I, I don't think it will bother Dick Campbell, but you couldn't ask for a bigger challenge in the shape of. Derek McInnes, because he's a top manager. Absolutely,
3: Derek McInnes has kind of re- revived Kilmarnock to to an extent and got them to where they would have expected to be. But at the same time, there's an immense amount of pressure now. Obviously, Derek McInnes has been brought in to handle that pressure to to manage the the title favourites and and get them over the line. But a bro's biggest test is, or you know, biggest incentive, I should say, actually is. Turn that crowd against Komarnik. You know, it's a it's a massive ma- attendance. Komarnik have sold out three stands. With that comes a weight of expectation. And if a can make things difficult in that first half an hour, not concede a goal, which is very much what a is good at, then that crowd will become a burden to Komarnik, and a can then look to to pick their moment and. Uh, And potentially pinch a a win that would be absolutely staggering. But I mean, we we touched on the fact that both have been a a top side for for several years now. You know, it's uh, they're a good team. It's a fairy story, but at the same time, they are a good, good team. It's granted they look to. Uh, be stoic and not give away anything and they'll work hard but at the same time when they get the ball into the final third and they'll look to do that in a direct fashion when they do get the ball up there they play some really good stuff, they score good goals they've got talented players and this isn't a a team that is uh, you know, Greece winning the Euros, this is a team that plays really good stuff in the final third as well as being organised and hard to break down at the other end they're up there for a reason and if they beat Kilmarnock and you know, maybe even beat Kilmarnock to the title, they'll have done it absolutely on merit. It won't be smash and grab. They'll have done it because over the course of an entire season, they're the best team in the championship.
0: And finally, George, back to our expert for now. Uh, it's one of those, on paper, a draw suits Kilmarnock because they'll go into the last game a point ahead. But you look at the fixtures, mm-hmm. they've got to go to Wraith a good footballing team who might still have something to play for on the last evening, as it is. He did a bit of research after all. And Arbroath have got a home game against Morton, whose season uh, will be over. Uh, and and Doogie Emery's done his job at Morton. He's he's kept him in the division, uh, and they will probably build on that next season. But for now, his players maybe deserve a night off. So does that put more pressure on Kilmarnock, that they're thinking, well... Twenty minutes to go. If it's nil nil, do we settle for the draw? Mm. And messes with your head. is really what I'm saying. It
1: can, it can do, yeah. And I think adding into that is as well. Alan says about the the home crowd, the the out home crowd, because they won't accept taking a draw. I wouldn't say. Um, obviously, we were talking about the playoff last season. I, I was there. That obviously, come on, we're getting relegated, so it's different. But the fans. Well, hurt me. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, that's putting it mildly. They were they were waiting outside for the players. I think after the game, it was it was pretty uh, pretty heavy stuff. Um, so they can turn, and we've we've seen at the ends when when Dundee were struggling against our both in the last couple of seasons. That fans don't really see our both as a good team. They see them as we are both, that used to be in League Two. Definitely. Yeah. So. That doesn't get forgotten about from the fans, so that's an added pressure. If say, I both get an early goal or whatever, it's the, fa- the home fans at a Rugby Park aren't going to take that. Um, particularly when they've got, as we say, a top manager and the squad is full of probably players that should be playing in the in the top flight as well. A lot of them anyway.
0: But um, I'm there for a reason.
1: Yeah, there is that. But um,
0: that's a, I'm not being nasty, but obviously nah. there, 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 there are flaws there.
1: Yeah, um, and our both have shown themselves experts in making the most of the flaws of other teams. They've only lost four times all season, which is incredible, really. I've um, I've f- I them, I have to say.
0: Yeah, and not finally, because I'll turn to bear here. Because it occurs to me, we we've seen this down the years with Dundee basically being a yo-yo team, and and we'll openly admit as fans, we we don't accept anything. In the second tier of Scottish football, other than automatic promotion, is mm-hmm. is outright success, and sometimes it can be it can be hard for players to get their head around that because they can look and say, "Well, they're actually a good team." Yeah, but fans like us and the, like the Kilmarnock fans will be they do they don't look no. at it that way. You should be better than them. It doesn't matter how good they are. You should be better. No, and that's pressure, isn't it? It's pressure. It's also, I've got to say, disrespectful to Arbroath
2: Football Club yeah. for what they've done and what Dick Campbell's done over the last few seasons. I mean, you're right. You look at Arbroath and fans will be saying it's not acceptable. That they should pop us to the title. But if it was Dunfermline, would you be saying the same? If it was Inverness, would you be saying the same? If it was Falkirk, would you be saying the mm. same? And look where they are, you know. Arbroath deserve. But
0: if it's if it's Dundee are playing Arbroath tomorrow night, would we be saying the same as a Camaro? would that's not
2: honest. and maybe and maybe if Arbroath do make the step up, we'll finally be able to rid that monkey off their back. You know, that are genuine, genuinely a top team in, in Scottish football. And, you know, that'll bring its own pressures. for our Both have got to say yeah. where, where, what they're doing and the way they conduct and see their business at this point in time. Their whole their whole business model will to go <laughs> out the window. But, you know, at least they'll finally, finally get the respect mm. they deserve from the rest of the Scottish game.
0: Great stuff, chaps. Hopefully we're back here next week speaking about wins for three T-side teams this weekend. If you like the podcast, we'd be grateful if you tell your pals about it. Or even better, leave a review or a simple rating on iTunes or wherever you find your podcasts. All that really helps people find Twa Teams One Street, and that means a lot to us. Don't forget to pick up your copy of The Tele Monday to Saturday for all the latest from Dens and Tannadice. Or go to thetele.co.uk to find out how you can get the paper delivered right to your door.